Hi, welcome back, VR makers and shakers. Justine Harcourt de Tourville, Editor-in-Chief of Virtual here. And in this episode, we're going to be talking with Ian Nelson, someone who grew up in the cradle of Hollywood and after a few first steps in the industry, sought a more cutting-edge approach to films and story. That path led him to Riot, a rice and immersive media company, where he will be talking with us about what the future holds for VR, especially with the advent of 5G, among other things. So here we go. Welcome, Ian. Thank you for hosting. It's really exciting to be here at Riot Studios. So how did you end up in immersive? What's a, a, a little quick overview of your career path? Yeah, so uh, I, I went to USC, uh, University of Southern California, right here in Los Angeles, and had an amazing experience. Uh, that was what brought me first into entertainment as a, as a concept and as a career path. Um, that was uh, my first step was interning at places like Disney, Paramount Vantage before it got shut down, uh, as well as William Morris Endeavor, uh, the talent agency, and that was. My last internship before I graduated, they uh, brought me back in for a full-time job. And so that's what sort of opened the doors to immersive as a, as a concept. Um, and I spent uh, th- about three and a half, four years there um, where I was just working in the trenches, figuring it out uh, in terms of, hey, what is this in, uh, for? How do, how do movies get made? How do, how do television shows get made? You know, what do each individual um, – crew or uh, cast what do they what do they do how do they get paid you know really interesting questions um, but over time as I started there in the motion picture department uh, I knew that film was amazing it was my passion I love watching movies I'm still a cinephile to this day but it's uh it's a it's a art form and a medium that is I think to me more special than the actual industry the industry itself is maturing at a pace that uh, I, I wouldn't say concerned me, but it was maturing at a pace that uh, I, I didn't see myself there long term. You're uh, talking regular film cinema? Yep. Yeah, 2D okay. cinema. 2D, okay. Yep. Uh, I always have to sort of delineate 2D versus 3D. Right. Uh, and I, I just knew that as much as I loved that as an art form, that uh, I I really wanted a job that – I would say blurred the lines, um, you know, still kept that ethos of, of creative spirit and, and storytelling and cinema to a degree, um, but also was 21st century in the way that it was being produced. Um, you know, it was 21st century in the way that people consumed it. Uh, the, the issue with film right now is that there is such a drop in terms of um, theatrical. You know, people don't really go to the theaters as much to see movies these days. Um, and you have people like Steven Spielberg who, you know, I, look, I love his work, but he doesn't think that uh, Netflix movies should be able to compete in film festivals like it can. And so, or the Academy, right? I think he's trying to exclude them from from the Oscars. Totally, yeah. He like I I get it because you want to save the the dying art, Um, but when consumer habits are changing in such a a way that people are no longer interested in watching um, long form at a at a specific venue, um, you you have to find new ways to bring them back. And I didn't see innovation happening uh, in film or TV, to be honest, in the same way that I see that happening in immersive and in other forms of just technology in general. So um, while I was at WME in the motion picture department, 
I said, you know what, I, I want to explore what else is out there that that is at that intersection of entertainment and technology. And so I was fascinated by Apple and Spotify. And, you know, at the time, neither of them had real entertainment offerings. And now they have Don Ostroff at, uh, for, at um, Spotify, who runs all of the content. And uh, Apple hired those execs from Sony, uh, Sony Television, and they have a full-fledged offering that they're supposedly going to announce in the next couple months. Uh, and it was... It was just too new for them, um, but VR, you know, that was. I believe when I was first interested in VR, uh, that was 2015. So um, the acquisition by um, Facebook of Oculus was that year, and I, I think that was a moment where everyone said, "Whoa, what is going on here? This is fascinating." Mm-hmm. Um, my, I hadn't even seen um, any content on Oculus before. Um, and except for all of these videos you find on YouTube of people that were losing their minds and almost getting vertigo because they saw like a, a roller coaster experience and they were falling on the ground and it was crazy. And I, I think that for me was fascinating because it was a, a sort of show don't tell. And so I knew that VR was interesting, but at the time there really wasn't any opportunity or, or jobs. Um, and then, you know, right at that kind of perfect moment, I found out that Jaunt uh, was opening up a studio in Los Angeles, and so I was one of the first uh, LA hires um, to to help build it out. Um, they were looking for someone with Hollywood experience, um, and I was coming straight from an agency. Um, I was working with a couple people that also had Hollywood experience, uh, including the president of the studio at the time uh, and my direct boss, who uh, became head of content, co-head of the studio. Um, and so it was a, a great opportunity. Um, it was, uh, the early days of VR where it was money flowing like crazy. And so we were all just focused on investing in, um, in content. And so that was very exciting. Oh, well that certainly does sound sound (laughs) exciting when the money's flowing and, and things like that are happening. And then when did you, well, you were at John for three years. Uh, so from, yeah. So from 2015 to 20, uh, 18, 2018. Mm -hmm. So, uh, late last year I, I moved over here to riot, um, which is a Verizon media company. Um, and yeah, yeah. When I was at John, uh, it was, it was the right around the time where, uh, VR companies knew that they needed to have a business rather than just, an idea. Cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, and, we, you know, we we knew that, but we also, uh, I think the industry as a whole for a while was a little bit um, in denial as to how slow the, the pickup was and for headsets and um, for, for user base. Um, and I, to be honest, I, th- I think that a lot of the projections were just wildly uh, over uh, hyped. Optimistic. And, totally. It, yeah. People thought that there was going to be – I don't even remember the exact figures, but there was a, a Goldman Sachs article or um, uh, study that came out right around the time that I joined Jaunt that got us all very excited. And has since – I haven't double-checked what the numbers are, but I'm sure that that report is totally inaccurate at this point. But if we were to sort of look at it in a vacuum now, the we should have known that everything was overhyped. Um, and now I actually feel – really good about where the industry is because it's where it should be in terms of its lifespan. You know, we, we gave too much stress and pressure on, uh, an art form and a technology that it only existed for two, two and a half, three years. 
and we expect it to be, you know, the miraculous. Next, yeah. yeah, exactly. It, the, it, we were expecting it to be sliced bread, and it was just absurd because you needed, you didn't even know what you had at the time, um, and now we know what you can do, and so that's why you see some pretty amazing stuff. That um, it, it's not even, it's not even wireless yet. And and that's where I'm getting really excited is because you're talking about in 2015 um, uh, something that you know the Oculus headset that was basically two Samsung LED um, screens uh, that were hacked together by Palmer and you know the, those folks and um, they had to productize it. They had to um, be they had to create this whole platform. And I guess I'm just talking about Oculus here for a second. They had to create a whole platform. Um, they had to uh, push it into uh, an ergonomically positive experience, which it barely is now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> barely. We'll give them but, a little bit of credit. Yeah. Um, to where we're going to be looking in the next couple months with the, uh, the Oculus Quest that'll be fully wireless. Um, you don't have to have um, any tethered computer. Um, it's pretty amazing. You know, I, I remember telling people in 2016 that um, VR would take five, six, seven years to have a wireless untethered experience. And I was wrong by, you know, half of that. So well, that's a good thing. That's the right side to be wrong on. Sure. <laughs> no, yeah, of course. I'd, I'd much rather be I'd much rather be um, too conservative, I guess, in, in that sort of prediction. But um, but that's what gets me really excited because when you when you're faced with such um, ergonomic challenges and uh, you know just comfort issues for the first couple of years, um, then it's tough for the creative to to shine because a lot of people sort of interpret the uncomfortability. Uh, with their overall the story, experience, yeah. yeah, and they conflate the two. And look, it's if movies sitting in a, a theater is incredibly comfortable, and so you can probably um, tolerate much worse product for that reason. And so that's why the pressure came on so hard on the content side. Um, but I, I would argue that now we have some pretty amazing content, and the hardware is improving at a such a much more rapid pace. So we're we're already at a place where you know my favorite experience in VR is Astrobot. Like it's I don't know if you've tried it, but and it's the play, it's literally like the best experience ever. It's Mario, uh, but if you were a sort of a robot collecting other robots, um, it just the way it plays with scale, the way it plays with. Um, the why you need to be in a headset um it's it's really special mm-hmm. um it's it's one of the first vr experiences where i felt that i i really wanted to come back for more um and look we were producing and investing in vr and uh you know we today at riot here still do a lot of the same and you know produce other people's uh you know content but that i think stands on a tier above everything else because you just you just need it to be in VR, um, and so that is what that, that came out in 2018. Uh, so that's three years after the very public acquisition, uh, you know, the two billion dollar sale of Oculus to Facebook, um, and so 
now we're, we're seeing some, some really special moments shining. Um, and that's where I get really excited about the future. Well, um, speaking about the future and, and Verizon and for our global listeners, Verizon is one of the, the largest te- telecoms here in the United States. I'm not sure if they're actually the largest. Yeah. Oh, well, it is the largest. Some people quibble about AT&T versus uh, Verizon, but uh, yeah, in the United States, it's, it's primarily those two with T-Mobile and a distant third. Okay. And, um, but do you see, how do you see that interplay of Verizon, a telecom, 5G is very important to Verizon. How is that going to affect VR and its uh, consumption? Yeah. So um, I, I think there's some, some pretty clear um, paths to some, some, some success. Uh, you know, there was just news recently about Qualcomm trying to push uh, VR headsets to have incorporate 5G chips. Um, and so what you're going to see is as the headsets become untethered, then there's going to be a growing interest need uh, to incorporate 5G. Um, and 5G is really the advent or the, sort of the next generation of wireless technology. Um, and so the, the way that we all think about it is that you know, one G, the single G, uh, that's just voice. You know, that's being able to pick up someone, pick up a phone call um, and be able to talk. And, you know, it's the old rotary phones. It's pretty classic. Two um, G is SMS texting, you know, being able to text a, a colleague or a friend. Three um, G is data. So if you think about Blackberries and, you know, old school phones where you can um, send an email, browse the internet, but it's it's a very clunky experience. Um, and then 4G is when uh, video was possible, streaming Netflix, um, you know, streaming all sorts of OTT platforms that now exist. You know, they the the growing push and need towards that was really brought by 4G because mm-hmm. if you're Quibi, which is Jeffrey Katzenberg's 2D short form um, digital streaming service. Um, you're not gonna, you're never gonna operate in a world where the most you could do is send an SMS text uh, on your data network, right? So, 5G, um, which will be rolled out uh, in the U.S. Um, later, it's actually already around, but it's not going to be mobile f- for mobile carriers yet until later this year. Um, it will bring a whole host of up other opportunities. Uh, you know, here at Verizon Media or, or Riot, you know, we're really excited about immersive as one of the primary use cases. Um, anything 3D is incredibly data intensive. Um, it requires render farms occasionally or sort of in, in the way that 3D was produced uh, to date. It does require, you know, very complex rendering. Um, but we know that now we can do a lot of that via game engines. You know, you have Unity and Unreal, which are incredible software that allow you to, to do a lot. Uh, you have um, ARKit, the Apple AR tracking software, and uh, Google's AR Core, um, which allow you to track uh, the real world with, um, you know, s- simultaneous location uh, mapping. Um, and so you are able to do quite a lot with the technology in your phone. Um, but with 5G, then you can add the added benefit of being able to leverage mobile edge computing, um, which means that you can offload the the rendering and offload the processing of the 3D objects or of the 3D world onto a near cloud uh, so that the antenna that's serving you the 5G signal basically has a computer, and that computer has a CPU and a GPU. So you don't have to run Unity on your phone. You can run it up in the cloud, and your phone is sort of like a dumb phone, and that just handles the tracking of your real-world environment. Which is great for battery life. Totally. um, You know, not 
making your phone prematurely ancient. Yeah. Um, so there's some good stuff there. Totally. And and but on a on the VR side of things, um, you know, we're we're going to see the Oculus Quest come out later this year, and and you could see a world where you know maybe it's the next generation. If you wanted to have a more sleek headset that you could take out of your home, then a 5G signal is really important because when you're at home, Wi-Fi probably sufficient. But if you wanted to do like an open world VR experience where your your experience in a park versus your experience at home are going to be two very different things. Right. You know, maybe that's a, a combination of mixed reality where you have a pass-through camera and you can sort of see things um, in your in your world versus being fully opaque when you're out when you need to be, um, you know, that is going to require a 5G signal um, mm-hmm. because you have a greater bandwidth need. You have a greater need for low latency, both of which uh, 5G is is the real promise. And so for creators, this is going to be a big deal in terms of when they get to the, you know, technology, the stitching and all of the things. Is this going to make it easier for them? Yeah. So if you're talking about uh, like 360 video, um, that I, I think that the, it's probably less of a creator solve. It's it's probably more of a consumer solve because, okay. yeah, because those files are pretty large. You know, right. the the file of a five minute three sixty video is, I mean, when at John we were, I was looking at files that were you know multiple gigs, um, for five minutes, and that's basically a two D HD video that's uh, an hour and a half or two hours, right? So um, the consumers don't have. The patients. No, that. totally. Yeah. They definitely don't. Uh, and so, from a consumer perspective, we'll be able to deliver a lot. Okay. Um, on the production side, one of the things that we've been testing a lot here at Riot is, uh, you know, we have a five G enabled uh, motion capture studio uh-huh. um, that also has. Uh, we've also ha- we also have some volumetric capture um, as well as uh, like a live um, green screen replacement solution that you can have uh, animated characters or an animated scene with a live two person. Um, and so those things um, d- that do sort of blend the lines of uh, 3D and 2D, um, those can have some pipeline improvements ar- around uh, 5G. Uh, but I think 5G in general will be a boon to consumers. And so if you think about the, the technologies or the companies that that uh, were created out of 4G, like Uber, you just couldn't do that in a world where uh, you're, again, where your phone can only send a text message at, at best. Um, so it's it's hard to say, but it's going to, we think it's going to change a lot. So are there other kind of predictions or things that you're foreseeing in the VR industry Related or not related to to Riot or or Verizon, predictions. But, you know, well, it's not, not much predictions. Suit, yeah, well, no, no. But I mean, I would just say, or things that you're, um, you know, that spark your interest about what could possibly happen in the future for VR. Yeah, you know, I, what I'm personally fascinated by is uh, the the combination of physical and digital, um, and so. I like all of these experiences that you I've seen recently coming out of film festivals um, where you have a, a physically tracked person and a when you're in the headset, you see a digital environment, but then you also see a physically tracked person that appears as if there were a, a ghost or a dragon or whatever character they need to be in that moment. Um, and where 
that I think really shines is that you get that sense of presence because you're with a physical person that can touch you and you can see them touch you. Um, and so you don't really have to, uh, you know, go into this make-believe world with another person and then have it be a little fake because, hey, look, maybe they're, the animation's a little off or maybe they don't look like real people. Um, you can... Um, you know, assume some some disbelief here when you get touched and you you have the sense of what, like wow I'm I'm really here and whatever is happening is totally happening. Um, that to me is sort of that blend of when we always talked about VR. It was it was the blend of um, film games as well as immersive theater. And so that to me is where immersive theater uh, as an element really shines. Um, I love Sleep No More. It's an incredible immersive theater experience based out of New York that uh, was brought over from from the UK. And uh, I think that where VR can can really provide some incredible um, utility to consumers who want to be pushing the bounds of, of narrative is how do you create an experience that leverages existing people or 2D people um, and potentially at scale. So, you know, what if you do Sleep No More, which generally has a throughput of, I don't know, must be like a thousand people a night. It's a, they put through a lot of people in the space. What if everyone was wearing a VR headset? You know, what, what could we do there that you couldn't do in the regular version of Sleep No More? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I also think is really unique is that uh, with immersive theater, a lot of times people say, well, your experience is not the same as whoever else that went through it with you because maybe I went through the blue room and you went through the red room. Uh, I would be really interested to see if we both went in that same experience, but we both were wearing our headsets. What if I'm seeing like the dragon's lair and you're seeing the, the place in the clouds, right? It's, you could have the same inputs, but because the setting and it's all uh, built in a game engine, that setting is going to be wildly different and it could provide incredibly different outcomes for you. That's true. What about um, in terms of distribution? Do you see any new things happening on that horizon because getting content into the hands of users is the name of the game for VR right now. Totally. Um, I, I think we've also gotten to the point where there's so much content. There's enough content that it's it's almost back to curation. Um, but it's... it's uh, I think distribution's hard. It's, it's really <laughs> hard right now um, because we're, we're facing a lot of barriers. Um, you know, there's that ergonomic factor issue. Um, there's a, a cost to produce issue. So, uh, you know, the, I haven't actually ran the numbers, but I would be willing to bet that the cost to produce one minute of VR content is it's pretty high as it compares to, it's definitely much higher than digital video because I, we've seen those numbers. Um, but I would say it's probably close, if not, you know, encroaching, um, how much it costs to produce a TV show. And when you think about the scale of what a TV show can provide in terms of the user base and the scale for VR, uh, the the minute per minute is not really comparable. (laughs) No. Yeah. The cost, the cost per minute is tough because when you're, when you're spending that much on production, then you want to have a higher um, viewership return. Um, but that's where 
I think things will improve. Mm-hmm. The cost to produce will come down. It'll make it a lot easier. Um, and then the next uh, step, step you have to solve is how do we create a distribution platform that reaches consumers where they are uh, in a way that is, um, you know, very sort of native. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would say that I, we were guilty of this uh, at a prior company of b- presenting 360 video content in a format that felt so similar to Netflix or to Hulu that it almost begged the question of why. Um, and so the creative will need to come uh, so that you as a consumer understands the of why you need to access it. One of the, one thing that we think about here a lot at Riot is um, that every everything that you do has utility. Um, if I'm a consumer, then there's a utility to choosing TV versus a cho- uh, utility to choosing a game. So if I want to play and if I want to be connected to other people um, instantaneously worldwide, and I want to do uh, a, a thrilling. Um, like challenge, then I'm probably going to want to choose Fortnite or a game than uh, going into a, a movie, right? If you wouldn't want to watch Roma in that scenario because the utility that you derive out of Roma is totally different than the utility you derive out of Fortnite. Um, so in as an alternative, we, we do have to think about what is the what is the sort of utility that VR can bring as a form of entertainment. And there's a ton of stuff that it can it, that can bring and provide that film and TV or even games in some capacity can't. can't. Yeah, totally. So, what is that, and how do you really dig into it in the way that you distribute it as well? Um, and when you have both of those elements, then that's where you can have a, a form of media that people get really excited about. Well, thank you very much because Ian. You know, it's exciting to listen to all the possibilities, especially what 5G will bring to us. And I want to thank you for letting us be here at Riot today. Of course, it was great. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.